You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 27. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Welcome to The Business Marketing Show. I'm your host, Brendan Tully, here with my co-host, Ed Smith. Good morning, Ed. G'day, Brendan. How are you, mate? I'm well, Ed. How are you going? Very, very good. What are we talking about today uh, for, the, for the folks out there in internet land? Sure. Today, we're talking about conversion rate stuff, which really means getting more sales and inquiries or whatever it is, phone calls out of your website and online stuff without actually getting more traffic. So, uh, most business people and business owners and managers are so focused on getting more traffic. Everyone wants to be number one on Google uh, and wants more traffic, but then there's very little focus on getting more out of your existing traffic. So I know for most of, and it's probably the same for you, for most of the clients who come to us, we start working with them, they actually have a lot of traffic. They're getting, you know, they might be getting 50 visitors a day. The, The actual problem isn't a traffic problem. It's more a problem that those visitors aren't converting into inquiries or sales or phone calls or whatever it is. So today we are going to share some uh, easy steps that will help you improve your conversion rate um, to get more inquiries, get more sales, get more phone calls, get more emails. And they're all pretty straightforward and they're mostly DIY-ish, if that makes sense. And a lot of them are actually really slap on the side of the head, the simple in terms of people should just be doing these common sense wise um but they just don't get done the, the, the biggest one that annoys the living daylights out of me is no phone number anywhere to be to, to be found we've talked about this in the past episodes but so anyway let's go from the start at the very very start we have listed contact us optimization yeah contact us page optimization yeah um, yeah i mean that's really what you're talking about there uh, most people have a very poorly built contact us page, so at the very minimum, you need the uh, need the phone number on there. Uh, let's 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 run through some things that are on there that typically are missing. So, phone number on there, uh, a form on there as well as an email address. Uh, making sure the contact form is working. That probably 50% of the time we get a new client and. They have a contact form on the web page, but it's not working or not monitoring or it's going to the wrong email address or half the emails aren't getting to the destination. So that's a big one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and if you're a physical location, a map, like a, an embedded Google map and then a link so you can actually click across to Google Maps and find the bigger map. Yes, uh, important. What about people who don't have a physical presence. Can they take any advantage of Google Maps if you don't have an office, if you're a mobile consultant or something? Yeah, I mean, if you are a business that goes to people, if you're, say, I guess a lawn mowing business, you can still take advantage of um, or Google Places. Like we've, I think we talked about that in the Google Places episode, that you can have there's something called a service area business, so you can still be in Google Places, um, but it just doesn't show an address for you. It'll just show a, a service area, I guess. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, cool. So that's something that they could optimize as well and make sure that's working on the page. 
So, uh, yeah, just, I mean, have your phone number. If you want people to phone you, have your phone number at the top and on every single page, uh, clearly linked contact uh, form or contact us page. Just make it easy. People shouldn't have to struggle to be able to get in touch with you. Yeah. So, I mean, so I've actually, we'll link across to an article I have on my website with contact us page optimization and contact us page mistakes. Like, I'll, I'll just run through some of the things in there as well. Um a big one is the contact us page not in the menu or the it's hidden. It's very hard to find the contact us page. Mm. Um, so typically we like to have it on in the main menu and on the right hand side of the main menu because that's kind of where people are trained to look for it. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that you know the home page gets a lot of traffic, but yeah. apart from the home page, the contact us page is probably one of the top three most visited pages on your website and if someone is going there they are looking to get in touch so these might seem like small tweaks and changes but over the course of a year they're going to make a big difference so um, some of the other ones I have here your ABN so if you're an Australian business Australian business number or your company registration number because a lot of existing customers or suppliers might need that for a lot of different reasons but you know that's a useful thing to have and at a minimum it's going to cut out um, emails or inquiries asking for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else we got? We've got the street address and I'll, and really if you're a retail business that should be front and center or a business where people are visiting you. Um, and like we've just mentioned, a, an embedded Google Map and a link across to Google Maps. Um, what else we have? Postal address is important if, you, if people are going to be sending you mail. Um, and another one, so I hate when I get to a contact us page and we we just mentioned putting your email address on there, but I often see that there's almost a whole company directory of people listed on there for different things. It's crazy. There'll be like five different email addresses and phone numbers on there, which is nuts. Um, and it's just confusing. So uh, I'd say the don't do that. The fewer numbers, the better. Really, you should have one email address and one phone number for people to get in touch. And then they call through the reception or a generic email or a general inquiries mailbox and the inquiries get handled from there handed off to the right person i don't know if you've seen that or what your thoughts on that are oh yeah i agree it's very annoying it's and it's too complicated so yeah simplify those for sure uh what else we've got so we talked about the contact us form working so even to one of the first things we do um we do this contact us page optimization but we'll go and test the form as well and make sure it's going somewhere yeah that's um, a good idea yeah so, <laughs> fancy, fancy that. I mean, yeah. right, uh, that's that's the sort of thing that you would think would be everyone would do that, but it doesn't happen, does it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, also, there's another important thing to point out here that a lot of contact forms have this bug in them that someone submits an inquiry in the contact us form, and it will send it via email to whatever the inquiries or the info at or sales at email address is. Now. Here's the problem. If there is some sort of email issue between the form and the mailbox, something gets lost, there's an internet connectivity problem or whatever, the majority of contact forms, that inquiry is just lost. It just never gets to its destination. So you need to be wary or you need to make sure that you're using contact us form that actually saves the inquiries in a database somewhere as well as sending the email alert. So for WordPress, we use... um, plugin called Gravity Forms. So it saves the inquiry inside the WordPress database yeah. website and it sends cool. the email as well. So that's something else to, it's probably worth asking that question because even though you might test the form today and it works, 
email is unreliable. Like there are times where it emails delayed or slow. And if that's how your contact form works, if it only relies on email to get the message to the destination, then it's likely there's some bleed off of inquiries they're not getting to your inquiries mail box. Yeah, very good point. So yeah, we use Gravity Forms as well and we get our clients, we will recommend to them, we, we can't monitor that they are, but we recommend to them to look at their Gravity Forms list every day to make sure that it corresponds with their email list and and on the occasional times what you said happens happens the emails don't get through for some reason and there could be one two ten people who have contacted them that are in the list on gravity forms but they've never received the email uh, so at least that way they still have the contact details to follow them up so very good tip thank you for that one uh, anything else that's kind of all I've got first of all just having one helps that, that would be <laughs> handy folks um, that, yeah, that's that's it. That was, you know, he, he fell over the line with his head forward, spent everything on that one. Thank you, Brendan. Next one we have is number two. Not These are not necessarily in order, but they're, you know, pretty much close to that. Uh, heat map tool. Now, is this where you have a map where you're out and you, you're very hot or is it something different? What's a heat map? <laughs> well, heat map, well, I guess heat map tools are heat map heat map analytics there's a lot of different ones around the web but basically it shows us what people are clicking on on different web pages on the on the website so what that enables us to do is see what's being clicked on and what's not being clicked on and then make small changes to the layout and the structure of the website to optimize it for a better user experience and with the goal of getting more inquiries that's quite a mouthful that's very good. So yes, so it gives us an indication of what their activities are on the page. Uh, not you can have heat maps that are, give you like a live recording of what people are doing, all their mouse clicks and things. That's more advanced and more expensive. But there are other simplified versions of giving very good information and feedback uh, that we use. One called Crazy Egg, mm -hmm. which is very cool. So tell us a bit about what Crazy Egg is. There's other ones like it, but Crazy Egg's our tool of choice yeah so so that's so what probably what the most popular heat map tool so it will show us where someone's clicked on a page and where that doesn't sound like it's very useful but where it's useful is there's a few different ways it's useful if you're getting a lot of clicks on something that doesn't link somewhere then the user has the expectation that that needs to be a link so fixing that will improve the user experience and people will stick around longer and they'll be able to fi better find what they're looking for another good one is optimizing the layout of menus so if something if a lower item on a menu or something lower down the page um, below the fold so if you think the website split into two so the above the fold and below the fold the bit below the fold is the bit where people need to scroll to see it so if there's something that's below the fold that gets a lot of clicks then maybe that should be moved to above the fold or have a better it should be more prominent and be moved up on the web page so often mm -hmm. those small tweaks and changes over the course of a year and hundreds and thousands of visitors, if you make those small little tweaks and that might be a 5% improvement, um, but often they can be a massive win over time. Very true. You can also tell uh, what percentage of people having to scroll further to look at the page, correct? There's a little like a yep. scroll bar indicator on it as well. Absolutely. So you see how much time people are spending going up and down, up and down. Um, and you can adjust things accordingly. So that's very handy. It's, it's very informative. Uh, and we had an, an exact example of what you were saying uh, with Matt, uh, Matt Reed from Project Photography. 
uh, this is when he was running didgeridoo breath um, and they had the the images on the page for shipping and handling and they had a couple of the suppliers that they were using for that but they didn't go anywhere so then mm -hmm. they were linked linked through to an information page about shipping um, so that just made sense to have it going somewhere rather than nothing so that was cool to see that sort of figured out mm -hmm. otherwise you'd never know if you didn't have the heat map you would not know that people were clicking on an image it didn't go anywhere mm -hmm. um, you, you just would have no idea so and it's what it's I don't know, for the average business and traffic volume, it's about $10 a month or something, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, a, I think you can monitor 10 pages. It's very cheap. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. The other one that we use is Lucky Orange Analytics, and that the big difference there is we can see, which sounds very creepy, but it's very useful. We can see recorded videos of user sessions, so we can actually see the mouse movements moving up and down, people clicking yeah. through, and basically watch recorded visitor sessions which can be very useful in figuring what people are doing on the websites like looking over their shoulder even though it is super creepy for someone that hasn't if you haven't seen that before it's definitely worth checking out and it's like you'd be amazed at the data you can collect on people on your website yeah so that's that's handy and that wouldn't necessarily be something you would have to do uh, long term you could only do it for a month or two to get a, an idea and that could get some very quick information back that will help you adjust your site layout etc so mm -hmm. uh, that's a cool one to look at and there's you know there's variations of these you know Lucky Orange and Crazy Egg there's, there's other ones out there these are just ones we recommend that we use so mm -hmm. cool so anything else on heat maps well, that's kind of it check out Crazy Egg check out a Lucky Orange Lucky Orange okay uh, details in header. That's not very descriptive, Ed. What is it? What does that? What does that mean? You wrote it down, friends. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just reading it off the list. Right. So, <laughs> a lot of, uh, so making small changes to the the header section of your website can make a big, big difference. Um, probably the biggest change you can make is adding the phone number to the header section. So if you want calls from people, or even if you don't, even in an, so we do this often in an e-commerce business, and what for the e-commerce businesses we do consulting for, and what they'll find is they won't get any extra phone calls generally, but it it acts as kind of like a trust indicator. So by having the phone number and the header, people trust the business more, and it actually improves the the number of sales they're getting. So it seems kind of weird, but if you think about it logically, if the phone number's there, people trust you, um, and they're more happy to just go through the checkout, you know, as a first-time visitor to the site. So, having your whatever the call to action is in the website uh, for the website in the header is a good one. So, having the phone number, um, book online is another good one. Have a link to whatever the the book online or make a reservation. That can also be a good one too. Um, any thoughts on that, Ed? Yes, I would agree with that. I'm not 100% sure about the uh, the e-commerce side of it because you deal far more with the e-commerce side than me, so I'll trust you on that one in terms of whether they're going to call or not. But the fact is most people who are going to an e-commerce site probably expect just to do the order and, and do it uh, through the system rather than making a phone call. But the only way people will know is to test this, I suppose. They can, yeah. they can If they don't have a phone number in their header at the moment, they can trial it with uh, a phone number and if all of a sudden they start getting inundated with painful phone calls and they could revert back to how it was before. But Well, the idea there is if you're getting a lot of phone calls about something, we've talked about in some of the other episodes that 
the problem isn't the phone calls, the problem is that the website isn't answering those questions by itself. So, mm. if you're getting particular queries over and over again, that's an indication that you need to fix something or add more content. Like, if you're getting a lot of first-time buyers questions, then maybe you need to get a buyer's guide up on the website, a PDF or some videos that explain the product and explain the process of buying. So, often having the phone number and making it more prominent can be a good way to kind of get these sort of insights. Like we talked about that in the live chat episode. That's a big way to use live chat that it's not necessarily, the goal isn't necessarily better customer service. It's uncovering those weaknesses in the site and fixing those. Amen. So one other thing for the header is I kind of, so I have this thing called the three second rule. So when someone comes to your website, within three seconds, ideally, they should be able to work out um, what the site is about. So one good way to do that is to have a short little blurb in the header explaining what the business does or, you know, like a little tagline. So that particularly for um, B to C businesses where they're more retail focused, that can also be a big win because you've got to remember that there's a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that people come to their website through the homepage but probably more than 50% of the traffic coming to your website actually comes from the other pages in the site. So people have no way without that thing, without that little tag or blurb or whatever in the header, there's no way for people to know immediately what the business does or what the website's about. So having that that little tagline in the header can be a big help. Yes, true, true. Very, very good tip. So that's uh, information to have in the header. The next one we've got is search. So we're talking about having a search box or a search functionality on the website. Yeah, so I guess I, the header is a good place for this as well. So yeah, I, I know you love having search. That's a big thing that, that you bang on about. Um, oh, I bang on about it, don't I, Brendan? You do bang on about I, it a lot, Ed. Y- yeah, I do. And I think let's bang on and about it some more. Tell me about search, Ed. You can bang on some more for me. Well, in terms of having, you know, you end up on someone's website, whatever it is, you may not necessarily find straight away what you need or are looking for when you get to that website. Now, even if they have a fantastic menu system or whatever it is that they've got set up for their navigation and that's all laid out properly and lots of info, you still may not be able to find what you're looking for. So it's an obvious thing to be able to go somewhere, type in a keyword term or phrase, and let the system find it for you in two seconds. So there are many sites I go to and it just drives me nuts because you can't find it, you can't search for it, so what's the next obvious course of action? The back button, that's the next course of action. I'm out of here, I'm not coming back because it's useless. So I, I feel that there's very few sites out there, that, out there that would not need to have a search functionality on them. Do you agree or disagree with my banging? On- I agree completely, Ed. So people are trained because of you know Google. People are trained to use search. So yeah. I think it's a no-brainer that you need good quality search on your site. Um, often, so Google actually offers custom search for websites where you can get kind of a, a Google-powered search for your site. So that's often a very good option if whatever CMS you have doesn't have very good search built into it. Yeah, the only thing I don't like about that is that you can potentially be taken away from your site to someone else's site. Yeah, it does show it it never used to, but now it does. 
it uh, it shows sometimes it shows AdWords ads inside the search. So you can actually pay for it. There is a paid version of it that doesn't show the ads. Okay, yeah. So it's an option. I think with most systems these days in terms of e-commerce, uh, out of the box and WordPress out of the box, or you can add a, 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 you know, a better high quality search uh, plugin for WordPress. It's, it's all ready to go and it's all database driven. That's what WordPress is built on. So there's really no excuse for it, I'm sorry to say. So if you don't have search on your website now, it's easy to add it, particularly if it's a WordPress site. So uh, definitely need to have search. I'm finished my banging. We can now move on to something else. So uh, live chat, we talked about live chat not long ago uh, in an episode. So uh, live chat, what is your viewpoint on live chat Brendan uh, yeah we have a whole episode on it um, I guess the short version is uh, my preference well there's two ways to look at live chat one you can have live chat all the time and it's a great customer service and sales tool um, better for bigger businesses and B2C businesses if you have someone who's sitting there taking phone calls all day it's a no-brainer to offer that live chat functionality on the website because a lot of people just want to you know ask a quick question before they buy so that's my first point there and then the second point you can run it strategically for 30 days and use something called proactive chat where it will prompt your visitors and start a chat session with them um, and that's also like we just talked about it's a good way to get insights from customers you wouldn't normally get like they might they the questions they ask are a good indicator of what's missing on the website or what information you need to make more prominent on the website. Yeah, awesome and easy to get started. And if you use something like um, Zopim, Z-O-P-I-M, yep. that's that's a one. Uh, there are others out there, but uh, we'll link to the live chat yep. um, one as well for that, so you can go and listen to that yeah, in much episode. more detail. Cool. Yep. So live chat is another definite thing to test at least. Yep. So number six, landing page and split testing. So sending traffic through to a particular page designed for a specific project or a specific marketing um, assignment, assignment, that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, so you're sending traffic through to a, to a particular page and you want to actually get some uh, information back on whether that page is working or not and if you don't do something called A-B split testing um, then you're not going to know whether that page is really the best it could be. Yep. So you need to be able to test headlines and um, body copy and things like that. And there are tools out there that make it a lot easier to do now than before. Yep. So um, Probably not so much a DIY one unless you're very technical, right? If you're using uh, something like Optimizely, mm -hmm. um, you, you still need to know a little bit about what you're doing. But My experience, a lot of websites don't even have a dedicated page for each product or service. So that would be my first step. And we've talked about that in another episode. For every product or service you sell, you should have a page about it. That, that would be step one, I think. Uh, yes, I was talking about this the other day at a workshop about having dedicated landing pages. And I used the example, uh, if you're selling widgets and you have a blue widget and you have a red widget and someone does a search on Google for a blue widget, do you send the traffic through to the page that is about the blue widget or about the red widget? It's a trick question. No, it's not a trick question. Of course you send the traffic through to the blue widget page, but you have to have a blue widget page. So you've got to create that page dedicated to that particular product or service. So, and that's 
as you said earlier, one of the places to start is at least having proper setup of uh, variations of pages in your site for each product and service mm -hmm. before you even start doing split testing. Yep. So what what else are you, what uh, else should we talk about in terms of those basics? So we need a page. Uh, well, I guess we can do some basic split testing. I mean. For the level of client we work with, we don't do much split testing. We do we do heat map stuff, but you know, at the bare, at the basic level, most of them don't actually have the product for each, the page for each product and service. So that's generally where most of our focus is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then there's things we can do. Taking it further, we can do split testing. So we can actually uh, have it so that when the traffic comes through to a particular page. There's a tool set up or a system set up to rotate things like headlines and uh, swap out um, headings or body copy on the page. And that way you actually get to see which one converts more. So um, this tools we use like Optimizely, which we can list, which is good. Do you use anything else other than Optimizely? What's your preferred method? Uh, yeah, that's we use that tool sometimes. That's generally it. So it's, it, most people don't do this and most people listening to this will probably never do this but if you really want to find out how good uh, a particular page is, it's harder to do for every single page in your website and you, you maybe wouldn't go to that extreme because of the, the time to do it but if you're running promotions or specials or whatever it is, those pages are important to, to test and, and measure um, so you, you know you're getting the most out of your offer that you're set, you know, sending traffic through to. So Yeah, I mean, one thing we do as well in terms of the, I guess, we've, and we talked about this, I think, on that 80-20 episode is in Google Analytics, we'll look at the top five or 10 pages that are uh, on the website um, in terms of the, the amount of traffic they're getting and we focus on improving those. So I actually did this process on my own website. One of the pages, it was the third most popular page on my website and I did some, uh, last weekend I did some work on it it was in position four in Google for the keyword I wanted to rank for and I added some more copy to the page and we added a video, we added two videos I think to the page and did a little bit of SEO work on it and it put it in position one and I can see that people are sticking around much longer on that page as well, it's working a lot better. So that's also another approach that we use um, is looking at those top five or 10 pages and really focusing on improving those because I mean you've got the limited time and effort so and if they're getting the, the bulk of the traffic, small little wins, if you get a small win with that A-B split testing, then it, it's a big multiplier because it has a lot of traffic. Too true. Very, very good. So there's six very, very good tips and uh, things to improve for your uh, conversion. So I would suggest if you're not doing any of those things, start at number one, uh, basics of contact forms and, and phone numbers and things like that. Even just making those simple, obvious choices and changes can improve things dramatically. So have a look through, uh, look at the, the list that we've got here that will be in the show notes and uh, start testing and measuring your conversion changes. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you, Brendan. Thanks, Ed. And um, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you on the next show. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher.